Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to figure out what the best movie is of any given year. Before I introduce the panelists, know this, that this show is also a game in which points are awarded for well-made arguments, cogent thoughts about the film, jokes, and anything else I feel like awarding. Normally, when one of them's a snot, I give the other one (laughs) points, like a fair parent. (laughs) The winner will also be my best friend for a week and have gloating rights. This season, we're digging into 1975, and this week, we're on the run with the three days of the Condor. I'm your host, Mike, and my best friend from last week is Greg. Hello, Mike. I'm so glad to be here and to be on the run glad with to have you. you. Bestie. I There's nobody else I would rather kidnap and force to sleep right next to me <laughs> than you, Greg. <laughs> that's very... No, that's troubling. It's not a it's not a sex thing. It's a safety thing. But it maybe tomorrow it will be a sex thing. I mean, we got three days I'm of this condor, it's not right? Intended to be a sex, but thing. it could be. But it could become a sex thing. Also, here is Ryan. Thanks, Mike, for that incredible introduction. Uh, just honored as always to be here and uh, to have you as our host, our guide, our Sherpa. I hate you. What the fuck, man? What do you want then? <laughs> I don't know, but it's not whatever it is you're wow. doing. There was a tone in that that you didn't really mean what you said. Okay, whatever you guys talk about as far as like being genuine, I obviously don't understand what it means. <laughs> so why don't you just take my words as I say them? <laughs> no, I finally understand what so much of the world has said about you. It just clicked. What? That I can't be earnest? Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. My brain is a prison go and earnest goes to jail. Shut up, Mike. Let him do his thing, Mike. <laughs> a lot sorry, of runway, thought, okay? We were... Let the plane take off. I thought we were building something together. <laughs> yes, and you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> no but is I, my body type. I do have to announce at the top of the show, this movie has made me grumpy, right. and I am therefore grumpy. Yeah, the, the patrons got a hint that that might come yeah. with Greg. Greg is normally just like, I love everything. Our jolly boy. Yeah. Some of the movies of 75 really pissed me off. Uh, and this was definitely one of them. It what, what what was your experience with it before going in to this week? So it was part of the what I call the seventy five scramble, which is we decided we were going to watch the movies of seventy five, and we all ran out and got in our distinct vehicle and then drove. I had a motorcycle, and in the uh, like the sidecar was my cat wearing a little aviator goggles and a scarf, and I drove around in a silly circle and grabbed as many movies as I could, and one of them was Three Days of the Condor. And I was like really enjoying it, and then about halfway through, uh, he he kidnaps Faye Dunaway, and from that point forward, this movie has made me very grumpy. And so the, I was like, this whole season, I was like, we're gonna do this show about three days of the Condor, and I'm gonna get to say how much it pissed me off that he kid- kidnaps Faye Dunaway, and then there the movie doesn't really do much with that, and uh, here we are, here we are, I'm prepared to do that. How much of the rest of the movie that the parts that didn't have that because it is a subplot in the film uh, or it, it overshadowed the point that you cannot critique it? Uh, almost. Yeah, almost to that degree. Like it, I, it just it's so weird. And I don't think it's like totally out of step with the mores of 75. And if anything, that's like that's what makes it even weirder. Um, it, it seems like it's not the movie doesn't treat it as big a deal as it would be. Um, and, but so, yeah, I would like, that's kind of why I bring it up at the top is because like, it's hard for me to connect to the movie in any other way, especially because like the movie's about a, uh, like a, a guy who works for the CIA cause he's so good at reading books. That's very much my shit. 
Um, I'm. We we're always saying on the show, I'm a Robert Redford type. Uh, yeah. And so it should be. You should be president. Yeah. And so I think that then it made me all the more upset. Because it, it made you feel complicit because you're a book reader. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You're a page I'm a bit turner, of a page turner. Which might be the character's myself. name. Ryan, how about you? What is your history with the three days of the country? I've seen this before. It was a while ago. I was not, I was kind of nervous. Uh, Greg and I had talked about it throughout the season, but I didn't know he was so grumpy about it. He held that close to his chest. I want to un- unveil it live on the air. And I had sort of said that I was not worried about it, but not super excited just because I remember it as a kid being a little bit boring. And it's not just that. It's not maybe not up to stuff. Like I was being a genre snob and saying we've watched some movies right. that have like changed filmmaking forever. Um, and then Three Days of the Condor. Really? So I watched it with all of the appropriate bias and arms being crossed that you want to before you watch any movie. And I got to say, there's a film critic I like named Michael Phillips, who for some reason, even though he's not that much older than us, doesn't swim uh, talks to talks basically like he's from the 30s. <laughs> and he uses this term where he, ha, see? he, he calls some movies Cracker Jack. <laughs> I love that. This guy sounds like a real firecracker. And I think that this movie is Cracker Jack. I think that uh, Greg's opinions are his own. I thought you just meant the Greg's of the world. Uh, Greg's as a people. I understand that what Robert Redford does, but I think that watching the two of them together makes it worth it. And mm. I I was very surprised as to how like into this movie I was and how deep it could be if you decide to go there. And see, I, I think this, I agree with that. And that, that's part of what is like annoying about it or, or disappointing mm-hmm. about it is probably a better word. Is that like, it's a well-made movie. It's interesting. It's an interesting idea. Like, it is such an interesting idea to have, uh, like, a CIA office where all they do is read all, all the books to see if they can gain, mm-hmm. glean anything from that. It's so interesting that, like, Russia and America both started doing that after this movie. They're like, we actually yeah. don't have that, but um, we should. So they opened up offices that did it. <laughs> and, yeah, America was oh, like, shit, let's do four days idea. of the Condor. And Russia was like, oh, let's do five days of the Condor then. <laughs> and China, uh, uh, uh. China came in like, six days of the Condor, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are so into reading books. Maybe read the original book, which is Six Days of the Condor, <laughs> assholes. Uh, I thought I was going to come in fist swinging against both of you because uh, around the margins of the conversation, both on and off air, I, it was clear at least that Greg was not excited, and I thought Ryan was also not excited about this movie. And uh, like our friend Michael Phillips, goddamn crap. It was, right? I loved it. I, I said recently, I think on the Night Moves bonus episode, that noir is just up my ass, and I'm going to be in for it. Uh, I think like espionage thriller is in that anytime a movie shows how I felt since I was five, which is the whole world's against you and you don't know who you can trust. I'm now into it as an old, not man. just that Mike, but when push comes to shove, you'll know what to do. I'll just, I'll figure yeah. out the spy shit yeah. on the fly. You weren't trained at all. You're going to be the best that they've ever seen. Actually. Does the movie uh, settle on? You can't trust anybody though. I think it kind of does. Cause doesn't it kind of settle on like, but you can fucking trust the press. <laughs> One thing you could definitely do is turn over all this information to the press. I yeah. don't think so. We'll make we'll make a modern version <laughs> where that is less clear. Just well, yeah, uh, just uh, same exact things in our modern version. But at the end, just have Robert Redford be like, "I don't trust the press," and then roll the credit. <laughs> yeah, he looks back. Well, actually, no, I have reservations. We'll still do the freeze frame and then unfreeze it after like three <laughs> seconds, and then have him say that. We are going to take a break, and then when we come back, dive right in to the nitty and the gritty of the three days of the condor. 
Directed by our old pal Sidney Pollock and starring Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway, Three Days of the Condor doubles the tension of the book it's adapted from Six Days of the Condor, following a goofy CIA analyst who stumbles into a plot of a secret organization within the CIA, leading to his entire team getting killed. On the run and trusting no one, he kidnaps Faye Dunaway and forces her to help him. They, of course, go to Bone Town and help take on the agency and its amoral freelancers. While Pollock has said he just wanted to make a fun espionage thriller, much has been made of the paranoia and distrust in government post-Nixon's resignation. Taste buds, I ask you this. Does Redford and Dunaway's romance come off as anything more than obligatory Hollywood shenanigans, especially given that in the same year, Patty Hearst was kidnapped, which introduced the world to Stockholm Syndrome? I mean, doesn't it make the kidnapping make more sense and the subsequent romance now that we know about Patty Hearst and the Stockholm Syndrome? Ooh, yeah, band it name. feels way more... <laughs> that, fuck, that is a good band name. It is uh, much more Hollywood shenanigans unless you're like, oh, this happened. People get kidnapped by handsome people and then like sure why when the first time i watched this movie uh like i would say like, 10 minutes after he kidnapped her i was like i gotta go back and watch this again why does he decide that he has to kidnap a woman as part of like getting away from whatever is going on what leads him to make this decision random he he needs a car she doesn't know him so that she can't be tied back to him okay and in his head, he is a nerdy analyst, and he can overpower her. That's my assumption there. Yeah, because when when uh, Yobert or whatever, the guy asks him at the end of it, he's like, hey, by the way, how did you decide who to kidnap? And he's like, for instance, did you decide because it was somebody you knew, or did you decide because of based her on age, looks. or did you choose based on her on her looks? And Robert Redford, like, just, Turner just, like, looks at him, like, and pauses for a second, and he's like, nope, random. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. So you were in that. You randomly cad- kidnapped Faye Dunaway. It had nothing to do with like the way she looks, for instance. Like you didn't immediately decide you had to kidnap a beautiful woman, and then like very early in your relationship, be like, hey, by the way, I've been pretty nice to you. I haven't raped you yet, or I haven't raped yeah. you. He didn't say yet. That would be I, awful, w- even worse, right? <laughs> oh man, that'd be terrifying. But, but I do love her response, and like Faye Dunaway injects so much in this character. She like rolls her eyes and says, "The night is young." Like she is yeah. terrified and still sassy, and then still seems conflicted after they consummate their relationship. Which again, like you, it's hard to argue that that's not rape. Yeah, even though she doesn't it's definitely like, coerced sex. Yeah. And, and he has already like forced her like kind of like into intimacy with him. He's like, I got to sleep. So I'm going to point this gun at you while I do so. And you have to stay right here with me and cuddle me. It seems like that kind of takes precedence over the randomness of her. Like you could break into a random house. There's so many things the you could seller because he loves reading be, because because she's if we watched him be like, no, too old, no, too hefty. Faye Dunaway, I would say sure she was the first person who was alone in the store he saw and also like i know i know it's awkward with our you know uh, our modern sensibilities but we have two stars they're ha- they have to get together and i think that the that watching them get together overshadows this part of it and it not like it not to be forgotten about it but i don't I don't know. I, I I think that calling this rape sort of takes away from Faye Dunaway's character. I see it as two absurdly lonely people. That's what it more focuses on, mm-hmm. who find this comfort in each other. I know that Faye Dunaway has a boyfriend, but 
based on the phone call that we hear one side of, it doesn't seem like just any time that she talks and about and him. How she talks about him? Yeah, yeah, it's not a loving relationship. She's the, she has a dad. She has a second dad. You know, and that that maybe that's what brings her to Robert Redford. But and I still I I, I agree with Greg that the I th- I don't think it's full and rape. I think it's coerced sex, and there's there's fine lines. Not that that makes it good, but that there's you know uh, levels. But but once she goes full bore with him and is on her own side missions for it, then you're like, she's fully in. There's no gun but to see, her head anymore. This, this is what's crazy about this is that this ha- takes place in the same year as Patty Hearst. Is that the same story with Patty Hearst? At some point, do you, even though you are like, you are brainwashed or you have brainwashed yourself, at some point, do you, you become complicit because you do participate in your yeah, I mean, own I don't abduction. know enough about the the hearseness. I'm guessing she didn't hang out with those guys for a day before she was like, oh, "I'm in." Well, I, and I know if that so. It's, then it's not brainwashing. It's really complicated. Like based on what I know about it, it's really complicated. And she was put in jail, or she was, you know, uh, accused, and then got some sentence for her crimes, and then was pardoned. I think by Bill Clinton, like two decades later. What a legacy! <laughs> yeah, because. Uh, you know, we learned so much about the the impact that that must have on somebody's brain, right? I guess the part that the part that bothers me in, in this movie is that it feels it it doesn't feel completely undigested. It feels half digested. You know, the fact that he brings up the term rape feels like right. that's introducing it. The fact that Yobert says, "Was it because she was attractive that you took her?" It feels like it feels like the movie kind of engages with it. And then ultimately, it's kind of like eh, I don't know, and then and then yeah. and then leaves it on the table. And I think that if it had, because if if it were a conversation about how when a nation is threatened, it will do anything, it will license itself to do whatever it wants to do mm-hmm. in its desire to protect itself. If it were a commentary on that, in a way, that would be pretty interesting. If it were right. fully borne down fleshed on, and out. if the if the implications of that were fully fleshed out, instead he takes on the behavior of the government that he is questioning. He immediately seizes somebody, yeah, under threat of violence, and then coerces them to do exactly what he wants without the threat of violence ever really being fully lifted. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's what, that's what makes. The, yeah, I think that leaves it. Yeah, really interesting. But isn't? But is the movie? But is the movie actually talking about that? Is I the definitely movie, think it is. I absolutely think it is because it feels. It feels to me then that it 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 could lean on that a little bit more. It could question his behavior a little bit more, mm-hmm. and part of that could be having Faye Dunaway not fall in love with him or not say about her boyfriend. Well, he'll understand, which kind of makes it sound like she's saying that she herself has just fully accepted it. Right. Uh, just like so, so then many Americans so then, do. So then it wasn't it wasn't wrong. What he did according to the movie, what he did wasn't wrong. Yeah. I I not that like time makes some things better. I do think who Robert Redford was and in the seventies and Faye Dunaway herself, uh her cutaways, uh when she was supposed to be scared of him, they filmed on a day he wasn't there and Sidney Pollack played the role because her reactions to Robert Redford, and she is an amazing actress, were not believable because she was like, well, look how hot he is. Yeah. How am I supposed to be scared right now? And so to get her actual fear, Sidney Pollack had to pretend to hold a gun to her head. That's, a, That's bananas. Which is a lot of weird a, messages <laughs> about, <laughs> yeah. about all hey, of this. Hey, handsome guys, do what you want. But so I, I just, you know, if we question 
that element of the movie. I don't think it's just something that kind of happens in the movie and then it's like, yeah, but the movie's not even really about that. It's it's like it is half about it and half not about it. And I mm-hmm. that that is what makes me feel like I can't really get over it or get past it because it's not fully investigated itself. The movie definitely relies on the whole time relies on Redford's charisma. And we've talked about this before, how much one flew relied on Jack and how much the, if you listen to the bonus episodes, uh, how much Robert Mitchum gets away with in the Yakuza, just yeah. because he's a star. Like they will, last week we did shampoo, you know, and Warren Beatty almost in non-star mode and like dumbed down star mode. This is just something that full himbo energy <laughs> isn't around anymore. You know, we don't have this mm. anymore. Um, and the movie relies on that, but I think it's okay because it's the movies. And I understand that we're nervous about the messages that it's sending. But uh, I, what's important is to me, uh, so much of this is Faye Dunaway's performance. And it's because mm-hmm. I know Faye Dunaway from like Network and Bonnie and Clyde, where she is this loud, ball-busting Terminator. And here she's not, and it, com- it could come off as like coy or meek. But it doesn't at all. I think it just comes off as like smart and calm and waiting for her moment. And yeah, like you said before, Mike, uh, a little like holding a little bit of the snark for whenever she needs it. Yeah, I, I think her 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 dashes of snark lets you know she she's not fully out of control. And like it, I th- I think it is complicated, Greg. I, I don't want to say don't get what you're saying. If this movie came out today, if they did a remake, it did. Uh, it was Passengers with. Yeah, was that Chris? Oh, Chris didn't see that one. I was gonna say it was Winter Soldier, but they they took the Faye Dunaway part of it out of it. But yeah, Chris Pratt like kidnaps Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, uh, but if if it was Chris Hemsworth, a good Chris, uh, and they did the whole sex thing, I do think the movie would have to tackle it dead on. Yes. because of when we are, I did think seventy five. It's shocking at all. They were starting to be like, "Is this weird?" Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Well, that, that and that's part of my point is like that. I, when we look at the movies of 75 and like the events of 75, it's very clear it's a nation trying to figure out its relationship. Like what, like what is sexual assault? What is rape? Right. And it, it feels like the attitudes are so retrograde back then. And I guess now things are superficially a lot better, but I guess the same culture, like a sort of undergirds both of them. And maybe that's mm-hmm. part of what makes me uncomfortable is that superficially, I think we say better things about sexual assault and rape now, but it still kind of has the same role, which is that the the culture foists these weird ideas on us. It's weird to hear Faye Dunaway right. be like, "Well, you know, if Robert Redford kidnapped me, I wouldn't be." It's like, what? That's that's an uncomfortable set of. But that, that's and it's also sure, not something but that's that also you, something you a hot yeah. you say about a hot yeah, friend, right? She's not actually like, okay, he has a gun to my head. Like she's not putting herself through that acting exercise. It, it's an there. example of sparkling real life dialogue and not like a real thought. <laughs> But uh, it feels like we are not going to get to the bottom of this topic, which is totally fine, because I think that already is elevating Three Days of Condor more than just a popcorn flick. You can keep chewing on it. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, talk about a less controversial topic, recasting the Ghostbusters. (laughs) Mount Rushmore! That's right. It's Mount Rushmore time, where we don't build a mountain to presidents. We build a mountain to something that means even more to everyday folks this week it's ghostbusters what if ghostbusters existed in 1975 we're building that mountain to those heads greg your first submission i'll tell you what we wouldn't have had the technology to trap them yet 
So I don't know what how, what the Ghostbusters would have done. Perhaps chase them with a broom. Oh, naive Greg, thinking that it was all invented in the early 80s and the government didn't have all this technology already <laughs> in 1975 and they were just keeping it from you. I believe the government is ghosts, but we'll get to that later. Whoa. Uh, so it, what you want is big stars and hopefully they're going to be big comedy stars. So you're going to get butts in the seats, but you want those butts to be laughing. I got to say... Not a strong comedy year. No. No. Were comedy... Did comedies exist? Like, we had one, but it was a British independent movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And that was all that was there. Yeah. I I just think that there was, like, some... One or two big stand-up comedians. Uh, but for the most part, I just... A problem, I guess not a funny time. Or it was coming from TV, which, if you think about the original Ghostbusters, they it's were probably, at that point, seemed still more like TV stars than movie stars. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. So the first one I'm going with is George Carlin. I think he's got a real workaday streak, but also a real wisdom. And I think that that's sort of the line that Ghostbusters walks. Also very big at this time. And so you know you're going to get people coming in just to see just to see the Carlin factor. Yeah, cool. inarguable. George Carlin, right on that mountain, Greg. Boom. That's Watch out, ghosts. It. You're going to get wisecracked, too. Yeah. I, you know, I just think that there's something about, like, you could see him working for, like, the MTA, right, when they find him, or he's, like, a garbage man, mm-hmm. and he's, like, it's basically the same thing. He's taking out the garbage. But then everything he says, you're, like, wow. A lot of wisdom there. A lot and of it, knowledge. It, it, everything he says, you're, like, that was from your 1973 hour. But <laughs> that's fine. Now it's in the movie. I guess that's okay. <laughs> You you still wore a suit and had short hair then, so it's a different delivery. Ryan, uh, this is probably the new kid in the movie. Um, this might be the person who uh, gets recruited, but uh, I don't know if there's anybody more popular, funnier, but like could put butts in seats, selling lunch boxes, selling merchandise, uh, than one Henry Winkler. The really? Fonz. The Fonz. The absolute Fonz. Too short, probably. Ultimately, too short to do it. But how about if, like, okay, they got the thing shooting the thing, right? And it stops working. And he comes how over. How are we going to get that to start working again? Gives it a little whack, right? Hey, <laughs> right? Maybe he's on some ghost skis. He jumps over a ghost shark. Oh, that's dope. Does he right? have every? They're all in the uniform, but his is still made of. He's in an all leather jumpsuit. With oh, the yeah. <laughs> wow, this has really got legs, right? I want you to think about this ghost. Shark. Ghost shark. <laughs> I'm thinking he's about starting it. starting in a spinoff, and he's in a fight with the rest of the stars. Uh, he is on the maybe pile. He's on the maybe pile, of course. This is just... Because you're a good host, Mike. He's a real good host. I am a good host. I yeah. think there's there's better I, options. I wish so the Fonz could well. come and kick you so you could restart this episode. <laughs> it's weird. He kicked to the points, and Greg got a point for that. <laughs> Smart Alec. Greg, throw another one on that mountain. Make All right. pissy pants even more pissy. I think we need a comic that has um, the sort of like movement vocabulary and the physicality to get this done. And also, I would like to, because 75 is actually not um, not the least diverse decade of all time, where I've actually been surprised by that. So I want to make sure that we don't make the same mistake the original Ghostbusters did and only have dudes, right? I think there's room for ladies on this team. Um, tread lightly people don't love ghostbuster ladies that classically that has been true but will they love a ghostbuster lady who's played by lily tomlin 
I think I think yes. Uh, if you remember, Lily Tomlin was in Nashville and brought a lot of physicality to that performance. Uh, she's in a few comedies in the seventies, and I think was generally highly regarded as and a plus actress to put in your movie. This is around the time of Laughing, right? Yeah, and she was on that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, so like she was on one of the premier sketch comedy shows. Then she's a premier spot on our maybe pile, Ryan. But a preferred spot, right? She's like a preferred yeah. maybe. A preferred nice, maybe. I am placated. I uh, I think I'm gonna move. Um, and I understand the only way for me to get a point is to say Mike Gravano, uh, and I'm not gonna do that. Um, I'm gonna move George Carlin to sort of the Dan Aykroyd role. Mm-hmm. Because I think that I might have a better Vankman, somebody who is capable of being funny, but definitely selling those tickets. Everything that he was in in the seventies was comedy adjacent, and he was always funny in them. Okay, and I just want to say to see somebody say something like, "Look at all those ghosts, man. Where are they? Let's kill them." <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. <laughs> Christian Slater? <laughs> I swear to God, this is the fourth time we've done this bit yep. in the 1975 season. <laughs> but so I think Jack- people J- listen for our Christian Slater comedy. <laughs> yeah, we like Raz and Christian Slater, and that's what you come for. So Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson was uh, one of, if not the biggest star of the 70s. Um, and yeah, like I can't think of a, a role throughout this decade where he wasn't, if he wasn't in a comedy, he was at least the one getting the laughs in a mm-hmm. non-comedy. Now, is there any worry because he kind of becomes a ghost in The Shining? Mm-hmm. Are we worried at all? Or can we use that, right? Maybe, like, has there ever been a Ghostbuster who's a fucking ghost? Slimer, yeah, Slimer is. So. Slimer's a ghost. a ghost. Maybe he could be the Slimer. cartoon. Yeah. Uh, Which is canon fool. So yeah, it's the real, onion the real onion Ghostbuster. Head. Yeah. Right. Where are we going to get a shark, though, for this ghost shark in 1975? Jabberjaw. Who, what famous <laughs> it's, shark? It's Jabberjaw. Oh, it's, of course, Jabberjaw, the most famous <laughs> shark of pop culture in 1975. Yeah, J- Jackie Ann is one of her Ghostbusters. So why don't you more cry about it, Ryan? Wow. Greg? Okay. Let's see. We're kind of getting... It's getting to be what they call, and excuse me for saying so, nut-cutting time. So oh. I want to make sure I bring Came my nuts. Do you say Polly Shore? Okay, here is this is an up and comer. Okay, in seventy five. So um, is this for the Rick Moranis role or an he's, official Ghostbuster? He's on his way. You know what? This would be great for Rick Moranis. But I, I was thinking official Ghostbuster. I was thinking Steve Martin. Steve Martin, not ready for primetime player, right? SNL mainstay, and great physical actor imagine him with the blaster just shooting it everywhere and just a laser beam through his head yeah right right i i think there's a lot of possibilities here steve martin fits nicely on that maybe pile that's like a nice way to say no <laughs> right i think it's a mean way to say no <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so why don't we talk about who was really popular for once in our fucking lives? For Why don't we talk about what was lives. really going on? Who was on the street preaching the truth? Who was out there as a stand-up comedian, as a poet, and as a rapper, maybe possibly inventing rap? 
Uh, in the 75 scramble that Greg talked about on this episode? Yes. Okay. Uh, where Greg ran to his motorcycle and his sidecar. Uh, Mike, I believe you backflipped into your convertible, and I mm-hmm. slid across the hood and then jumped into the front seat of my car, and we all drove away in circles selecting movies. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that part of it didn't really didn't really add up, but that's what we did. We did it in the middle of an old blockbuster video. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I watched Dolmite, and I think that Rudy Ray Moore would make an excellent addition to this Ghostbusters team. Was he Dolmite from Dolmite? He was Dolmite from Dolmite. All right, Rudy Ray Moore on that maybe file. Greg, did that movie totally get screwed by this show that we didn't consider it nope. at all? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to move right on from that as well. Okay, let's see. Who have I got here? Who have I got? Okay, this is going to sound crazy at first, but the more you think about it, the more you'll think it's going to be a great choice. Roger Ebert. It's an e- we're looking for every man and we're looking for we're getting different flavors of comedy, right? We want different flavors so they can play off each other. Bob Newhart. <laughs> All right. You each get one more, I guess. Or Ryan <laughs> go and then you each get one more. Uh, I'm going to just because uh, I love eliciting that reaction from Mike. I'm going to go from what Greg said and I'm going to say Carol O'Connor. I think him as Oh wait, that's Archie Bunker. That's <laughs> Archie Bunker. Yeah. <laughs> no, I put them on the maybe pile, but I, it's because I didn't write a trash pile. All right, speed round. You each get one. Speedily Andy Co- say one. Andy Kaufman. All right, we're building our Moranis role. <laughs> and Ryan. And for uh, my Moranis role, I have Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody it. at the time would know it, but he'd be so perfect for that. Ghostbusters. I, okay, I'm only gonna do this once. So your your maybe pile is Henry Winkler, Lily Tomlin, Steve Martin, Rudy Roymore, Raymore, Raymore, Bob Newhart, and Carol O'Connor. Uh, Greg cut somebody. Uh, Rudy Raymore. Rude. E is gone. Ryan cut somebody. One of Greg's. Bob <laughs> Newhart. Everyone made fun of me for that one, so that might be a good one. <laughs> Greg cut somebody. Uh, who would want to ride? Carol O'Connor's gone. Carol O'Connor, gone. No, not a Ghostbuster. All right, we got Henry Winkler, Lily Tomlin, Steve Martin, Ryan cut somebody. Uh, I think, well, now it's just going to be whatever. Uh, I think that this is a little early for Steve Martin. I agree. So your Ghostbusters are... George Carlin, Jack Nicholson, Henry Lee Winkler. I'm adding one you fucking fools didn't put on here. Uh, Gene Wilder, and your Moranis is Andy Kaufman. That's your Ghostbusters of 1975. Gene Wilder, 1974, he was in Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. This guy is hot, hot comedian. How about fools. Richard Pryor? Nobody said Richard Pryor. Nobody said Richard Pryor. Henry Lee Winkler's gone. I said Richard Pryor. I just didn't want to do it twice because you guys chose so wrong the whole time. There's your goddamn Ghostbusters. Your jackasses were out. Yes, I am the I am the whiny bitch. In the beginning of the movie, the Condor is a bookish, wisecracking, comic-loving analyst. By the end, he's a deadly serious master of spycraft who has no time for laughs and stays ten steps ahead of his enemies. Is this a natural arc to the character, given his extreme circumstances? Or does Redford's natural leading manness overtake the characterization they originally created for the Condor? 
the whole idea of him as like a bookish, like they're like, let's throw some glasses on that. Ah, yes, now he's a reader. And then they right. put him in a in a pea coat that nobody has ever worn a coat the way this man wears this coat. That fucking sexually. Like, yeah, it is so hard to see him as just a, like a, a bookish nerdy type. He has like uh he's so effortlessly charming. Uh I think that in a way he's so effortlessly charming that it does get in the way of his characterization. Yeah, and I think Mike if you listen to your question, you you did just sort of sum up Born Identity or the Born franchise, although he was trained in the past you know, it, it is sort of like, oh my god, right. what situation am I in in right now? Uh, but the movie that I kept thinking about was Die Hard because Die Hard, we're told we feel like Die Hard is the original every man in an action role. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but this was that before that, and I think it's important to note that how out of the way the movie goes in the first ten minutes to show like this is just a this is this is you. This is not right. some CIA high up old, like Navy SEAL. This is fucking you. They, they make him a big Dorcas, and I liked that. It's that they lose that. So in Die Hard, he never, even when he's like swinging on chains against giant uh, German mercenaries, he is quipping and getting hurt. And Robert Redford, in the beginning, they, they make him very dorky. Uh, his witty repartee versus the kids trying to steal his bike is casually being like, so what's on your mind? <laughs> and when they just look at him, he goes, okay, as they run away. Like, that all goes away. And he's sort of that kind of charm and it becomes sultry charm. I think the point the movie is making is that he has such an open, like caring attitude towards everybody and that he trusts everyone in his life. Mm-hmm. And that's why he says like, I don't like not being able to talk about my job because I actually trust people. And I think that he okay. has like no cow does it rape them and does not rape them. He, he has no calluses to protect himself against like what it feels like to, to be with people and then not trust them. And then all of a sudden he can't trust anybody at all. And so, yeah, it makes him very humorless. It reminded me a little bit of um, the short story, young Goodman Brown. Like he finds out that, that there is evil in the world, that the people around him participate in this evil and that he can never go back to seeing the world the other way. And so he is like in young Goodman Brown, he is lost then because he doesn't know how to be with people anymore. And I think at the end of the movie, he maybe opens up again because I think that his giving the information to the press, I think is Mm -hmm. a sign that he trusts something or he trusts in somebody. But for the most part, he's humorless because he has completely lost his ability to connect to other people. So and, it's more of an arc and less of Redford forgetting that he's supposed I to I think born. so, yeah. I think it's somebody who is devastated by, in a very real way, by the death of like all his co-workers, by the fact yeah. that he escapes through the dumbest of dumb luck because it happens to be raining and he happens to go out that back door. In and a very he, sneaky way. Like he makes that he face has to, to the sneak. guard. Like, yeah, uh, because he's to. not supposed to go out that way. And if he be, if he were allowed to go out that way, they would have had that exit covered. But because it's mm-hmm. like such a weird way to leave the building, that's the only reason he's alive. And so to become that aware also of like, I just almost died and I'll never have my life back. I will never go back to the way... I was before. See it the way the way we were. The way we were. Uh, the other thing that makes it, uh, you can see that how normal he is because throughout all the times he's on the phone, he's learning. Like when he's talking to headquarters, he's like, uh, "Where are you?" And he's like, "Nope, oh, you almost got me." <laughs> but I'm trying to remember right. that I can't just fucking give you information, and that right. leads all the way to the biggest part, 
the part that was very confusing to me the first time I saw this uh, was he talk, talking to Faye Dunaway at the end. He's like, hey, but you're going to you're going to right? And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, you're not going to tell anybody because I still need some time. And he's like, oh, shit, never mind. I'm sorry. I'm still acting like that agent instead of mm. this this person that I'm tight with, you know? Um, the other thing I want to bring right. up, like, is as far as the everyman thing is, and how this is us, you know, the just weepy Mandy Moore. Th- yeah, this, how this Tuesday is night on ABC. Weepy Mandy Moore, the book reading public is, <laughs> yeah, is because he, we think that we could be superheroes because of how many superhero movies we've seen. Most right. of his training comes from spy books. That's what he has been. That's what he's dedicated his life to reading and code breaking. And he hasn't just been trying to find what countries are you know sending secret messages to each other but he's also been learning about how to be a spy from these books which i think is the most us thing like i think that's the most prescient message right. of the entire movie is right. how we all think we're spies and superheroes now and i like that that's a good argument both of you are making good arguments against me i think i'm too used to the marvelization of trauma and the diehardness of the everyman yeah. which is i'm gonna quip right after my best friend died and much more is like, well, I'm going to clam up and try to kill everybody around me because that's how you actually deal with things. Good job, guys. We did it. Good, good, good job. You, you convinced me. I really was just like, they just couldn't deal with how handsome Robert Redford was. <laughs> but that is, couldn't let him be adored. That is not, not true. You know, like, I, I do think that it's important that there was a time where stars, re- we just let, as the audience, we just let stars walk around in their world and get away with fucking anything because right. they were goddamn stars. He's almost too handsome to comprehend like he's like he's like a perfect person in this in this movie the way he looks it's distracting you know what's weird is that he's less classically chiseled than brad pitt which makes him Mm -hmm. way more handsome than brad pitt yeah i think his his lack of symmetry makes him more handsome his his crags his uh his rough edges. And it's a very you, 70s like, attractive, too, because you yeah. couldn't be... There's, like, no affect in 70s attraction. I was generally. in awe of his hair. I was like, how do you do that? How do you, Could I do that? Didn't he just come in from the rain? Why does his hair look like that? What's going on? Robert goddamn just Redford. Like short, fair faucet on Robert Redford's head. <laughs> well, you guys convinced me, and I was wrong, and that, that I think that means that's a good uh, segment. So we're going <laughs> to stop it right now before you can prove me more wrong. It is everybody's favorite part of the show, Director Drafts. Director Drafts. We say it every time that for every director one of our compatriots gets, we cannot see their movies. And only this week, for some reason, did it hit me. (laughs) And now I'm bummed. (laughs) I ignored the fact that you guys say that every time. And only this week, because I think I was looking at the docket of movies coming out to theaters, and I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to keep track of what we have for the rest of the year. Um, it is, it's going to be hard. It's, it's going to be really hard to do. I'm also trying to think of... We'll just have an on-air production meeting real quick. Sure. Sure. Trying to think of some game we can play um, where we have winners and losers. We don't care about Oscars. In fact, this show is basically anti-Oscars better than the Oscars we don't really care about box office but let's figure out something where we can determine winners and losers like who won yeah if you look at the docket of the movies coming out in my on my team in 2021 I think I seem like the short-term winner and that's the thing too is that it could be a game that starts forever no you have one now Mike or like now it goes it goes forever or it goes 
by year. Yeah. Right. It's a, it seems like the kind of thing we have to check in over and over again because some of us, I think, have legacy directors that maybe have one or two good movies left in them. And then some of us have, and then there's some of the younger directors that we've picked have like seven, ten yeah. movies left in them. I so. think that's, that's a really good drafting strategy. Denis Villeneuve. Villain, I'm sorry. Greg, who's, what's say his name? Villeneuve. Villeneuve. And isn't uh, it Dooney Villa Dooney now? Yeah. Dude. Dooney, the Dooney, stuff Dooney, they're Dooney. saying sounds pretty good, everybody, about Dune. They're saying the right things. I think he is. I think he his career is chock full yes. of bangers. Yeah. I think, so, yeah. Between fuck. Blade Runner 2049 and now what people are saying about Dune, shit. I'm excited. Excited for my boy. All right, Greg. Who else are you going to be excited about? You're kicking us off. These are scary rounds of the draft, everybody, because they're like, we've knocked out a lot of like the heavy hitters, but this is like where I think teams are going to be made and lost and i i am a little afraid you got to get a little speculative here but there are still good names out there mm-hmm. it's just you have to remember them when it's and your turn to pick i'm trying to think of these rounds i don't know if you guys are doing this but like this is where you really put the you in it you yeah. know like mm-hmm. the top 18 that have been picked are like probably our collective top 18 right about roughly but like who are you now you know who the fuck do you think you are <laughs> who do you think you are and I'm Just gonna big stuff. I'm gonna go with uh, my first pick today is gonna be Greta Gerwig. Shit. So I this is one where I feel like I'm getting a lot of really I'm getting a future of wonderful movies. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm very excited to have her on my team. And but it's looking at names like Greta Gerwig and seeing that like this is probably my last chance to get this name. There's like the, the, the two or three names I'm going to miss because I picked Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. It's harrowing. These are, t- these yeah. are tough. But no, I think that's a great pick this far in. She, her star is only rising. And I feel like there's enough, there's enough of a body works where I feel comfortable that it's there. Yeah. You know, the magic is there. Well, yeah. I mean, what you also too, because she's essentially Francis Hall in my mind. Uh, you just have to pray that she's not like, never mind. No more directing for me. Yeah. Ah, like, oh, shit. Back to acting. I think we all have to hope that Lady Bird 2 Sacramento Nights turns out to be <laughs> as <laughs> good a movie. detectives together now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My first pick, I'm going to go with somebody who I like 90% of his career. I'm iffy sometimes, but he always makes fucking interesting movies, and I would be devastated if I couldn't see anything else by him. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, dude. I, that's, I can't believe that he lasted this long. Get him to the Greek. And by him, I mean me. And the Greek is your guess. <laughs> uh, he did. Uh, he's the, the favorite is his biggest. But then Killing of the Sacred Deer, The Lobster, uh, Dogtooth is the first thing I watch by him. It's the fucking weirdest movie that haunts me. I haven't lobsters, seen it in years and I think about it all the time. Pretty haunting, too. There's some parts yeah. of Lobster that are nuts. Now, Mike, I had heard that you were told that your dad watches The Killing of a Sacred Deer in a weird way. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, he he watches it where he just sits down uh, on a couch and presses play, and so I thought that connected me to my dad because that's how I watch movies. Oh, is I just sit on the couch and press play, oh, and I, I realized that's how everybody watches movies. Ryan, oh, that must have been heartbreaking for him. <laughs> it, it broke my goddamn heart. I saw the Eternals trailer last night, and that fucking kid came out, and yeah. <laughs> I still can't imagine him without a plate of spaghetti in his face. I don't know how he's allowed to be in any other movie and not be a fucking <laughs> other than the, weirdo. <laughs> the Sacred Deer franchise. <laughs> okay, so uh, those are two great picks, guys. Um, right. I'm going to I'm going to pick a 
I'm going to do what Greg said. I think I'm going to pick a veteran and a newcomer. No, I'm not. I'm going to start with Charlie Kaufman. Um, Ooh, good one. I know that Damn. I don't get screenplay written only. You know, it's not like if he writes it and Spike Jones directs it, then I'm fucked. But uh, this is this is such a big guy for all three of us, I think. Yeah. And it's such an event for all three of us um, that I it would be so fucking terrible if you guys got to see his movies and I didn't. So instead... Only I can see them and <laughs> yeah. talk to neither one of you about that. I them. thought we were all being gentlemen and like decided, well, let's none of us pick him so we can all keep watching his movies together. <laughs> no, I, that's fine. Could you imagine not having seen I'm Thinking of Ending Things? This is the grim future that, that awaits us. But it's now official. Yeah, now. Well, you can't well, see I'm Thinking of Ending Things too. I'm still the thinking Sacramento of Nights. <laughs> the killing of another sacred deer. <laughs> Uh, right. Why don't all three of our seventh round picks <laughs> please get together and make something? Because then we can watch it. Uh, okay, so I think that I am going to go here with... This is... Hmm, I'm not going to get to pick for so long. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I could actually wait longer on this. Mike, you had Guillermo del Toro in the sixth round. Yeah. But I think you waited... He's one of your favorite directors, but you just knew that me and Greg We're weren't going nice to take him. Me. Yeah. I think I could wait a little bit longer on this. I don't think this guy is necessarily... But I'm going to take David Fincher. No, Fincher's been taken. You, you yeah. He's already on your team. I'm taking I'm, Roger Ebert. <laughs> I'm 90% sure you got David Fincher already. I meant to say Martin Scorsese. That makes sense. See, that- this is one where, like, obviously, at this point, elder statesman. But I do feel like we're looking at... You're looking at... Two or three. I'm yeah. hoping for two or three. I think yeah, maybe as many as five. A rock doc and two good movies, and then one weird one. I he's got uh, Flowers of the Killer Moon coming out this year, and just just to not be able to see that mm. would kill me. I think that has Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. His two, his two Whoa, acting muses those together. Are his guys. Am I right when I assume that Robert De Niro will only appear with computer generated soft face now? <laughs> From now on, when you hear De Niro's going to be in a movie. He's like, that's how I feel truest to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have an old face, Greg. Could you make me look younger? <laughs> but I just, I think that like, we could do this for 20, 30 rounds. And yes. I could clean up with all of these new kids on this block. I Joey, Kevin, the Bob, <laughs> Bob, new kid. <laughs> <laughs> they, he let them use their practice space. <laughs> but only if I can be in the band. Yeah, but I'm in the band. I'm Bob Newkid. <laughs> Tearing up my Just hat when I'm with you. In the back in the shadows. <laughs> Barely there. You can see a cane every once in a while. But no, it would kill me if I didn't see Scorsese's last. But there's still a couple right. of like old school masters out there. And if I, it, this is a fantasy sports drafting. If you guys all want these rookies, I'll just sweep up the veterans. Hmm. I think I could wait longer on this next one, but I want to see his next movie so bad and refuse to not see it. So I think I have to now. And this is, as as you've said, it's it's time to get us. Uh, the stock has been lowering on him, but Last Night in Soho looks so dope. I'm getting Edgar right because anything Anya Taylor-Joy is in, going to have to see. Yeah, this is another one that we just thought you would take. Yeah. I think you were talking about Guillermo and forever I thought you guys were talking about Edgar Wright and I was like no I know how you both don't like him so I can sit on that and love him love him just not love I him. don't feel like he makes up my core like he makes up yours you know yeah yeah like it, 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 you'd be crazy not to enjoy any of the Cornetto trilogy but obviously that's it was way more formative for you Mike yeah I love Cornettos 
And he's the one director who's spoken to that. <laughs> well, him and Yorgos. And honestly, like the way he makes movies, it reminds me a little bit of this podcast. You know, he obviously loves movies and not just the ones that are like classically very good, but also the ones that yeah. are like so stupid and Dumb over the hell. top <laughs> that it's also like entertaining. All right, Greg, your last pick. Okay, I can't believe this guy is still available. Uh, and also, I don't feel like it's the greggiest pick ever, but really, the more I thought about it, the more he kind of is. Uh, I don't watch many horror movies, but I have seen both of his horror movies, Jordan Peele. Oh, shit. Um, he's only made two movies. The third one is coming out, but I just the name just suddenly escapes me. I've only seen the poster for it. I don't know if anybody else has seen anything more than that at this is point. Is it like we or boo? It's called like they or something like that. <laughs> um... But it just the idea that he has a new movie coming out is exciting. I think that um, obviously us generated in the moment a lot of excitement, and then I think that it cooled, and maybe his stock has dropped because of that. I think that he is going to come screaming back, mm-hmm. and the idea that I have the rest of his oeuvre, and you guys can't see any of it. And- I think a couple things. One, for great to see two horror movies from the same director in the modern age is just absolutely that's insane. nuts, right? Like, yeah, it's phenomenal. And two. I remember all of the us buzz died down. And then way after, as is our want, we did a podcast about it and it lit us all up again. Yeah. It's so fun to talk about. You know, and like we just got to continue the conversation way longer than anybody else. I, I don't think it's as good as get out. I don't know if anybody does at this point, but what a, what a, what a, what a onion, what a cracker. Yeah. He's in. He's a cracker and an onion. As Ryan says, uh, ultimately us is a movie that, that, that decides not to have answers. And yeah. I think that that is, that's going to leave it with a, a legacy that is tough, but also kind of exciting because there's so much going on in us and you can argue that it means one thing yes. or another, but, and it's the movie is How pointedly, rare these days. it's, and it's pointedly internally inconsistent. I think a lot of people gave it flack for that, but th- I think that's the idea that I yeah. think that movie stock is going to rise over the, the maybe not yeah. in the next couple of years, but over the next five or 10. When people stop wanting easy answers. Yeah, and I don't think it'll ever eclipse Get Out or anything. I'm not saying that, but I just think that people are going to come back to this movie and be like, "Oh, okay, he was kind of going for this open-endedness. He was going for this confusion." And I under I think I see why now because uh, because violence and confusion are really part of the modern American condition. While right. this bums me out that I cannot see more Jordan Peele movies. Uh Ryan and I have the rest of horror we can still watch. Yeah. And Greg does not. So this seems fair. And his next movie is called Nope. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> so, nope. Love it. We're uh, I mean, think a- about that sentence or that conversation. <laughs> Get out. Us? Nope. nope. <laughs> oh, okay, All right. So, we're fine. <laughs> but, like, knowing that he is going to make a movie, probably a scary movie called Nope, like, that's probably going to be my reaction, but I'm the only one who's allowed to see it. So, I have to. Just I hope it's screaming a- in your apartment. Nope. I hope it's a horror movie about monsters that come out when you're carrying plates of food and they just <laughs> slap them out and say, Nope. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more Condor. Taste Buds, three days of the Condor hit a nerve with audiences because it tackled the paranoia about government that regular-ass citizens were feeling at the time. 45 years later, does the movie still ring true in that regard? I did read an interview with Sidney Pollack where he was like, we just thought this was some cool, fucked-up shit. (laughs) And then Watergate came out. I say that like it's a different movie. <laughs> Watergate dropped. Watergate dropped, and we were like, "Oh man, did we strike on something?" And yeah, I think it's 
I, I don't think we've ever really recovered. Right. From it's one that of those time. things where people stop trusting. Do you, you think go, that like, for no reason, like, oh, let's trust now? There's no like president has been so good. We haven't had another Camelot. But know? I do think that the Republicans have done, a, or the conservatives have done a good job of being like, we're all equally untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. Why not untrust us? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there is some sort of modern salience to uh, a movie about a big uh, government conspiracy to get us embroiled in a war in the Middle East so that we could procure their oil? Do you think that, like, centered centered primarily around the World Trade Center? Do you think there's any sort of, like, resonance in our modern times for that? Yeah, a secondary question is, uh, is it possible for a movie that came out 26 years pre-9 to be so much about (laughs) 9-11? Uh, is this shortcuts that we don't know about? Nine <laughs> eleven. It's not. It's so long to say nine eleven. People just started saying nine. nine. Uh, it, this movie seems like I don't know. Like it, it's like when people realized that in ninety uh, three uh, blew up like the World Trade, and people were like, "How did Biggie know that the World Trade was going to blow up?" Uh, well, he knew history. <laughs> by being centered around and so prominently featuring the World Trade Center, and then being about like big conspiracies mm-hmm. and getting like potentially i mean the idea that robert redford is like are we gonna maybe go to the war in the middle east that that used to be a question that people this, would be like are we i don't know and this movie is basically like if in 2035 we got into a war over unobtainium we were like <laughs> avatar <laughs> knew what is up <laughs> i i love that when the, the guy who he sort of can trust or he's trying to figure out if he can trust with the mustache uh the guy's like you just stumbled onto a plan i didn't even know about I didn't know about it. It's a great plan. I would have backed it too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> did you guys like, recognize I, him, by the way? No. That, Max Sedow? The, uh, Higgins with the mustache? Oh. Higgins. Is it John Michael Higgins? It's John Michael Higgins <laughs> because they have the same last name. Good job, <laughs> Mike. Give yourself other. a point. Uh, that's Uncle Ben from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You wow. have to add a lot of years and a lot of like sun crust to the face. but <laughs> Sun crust. Uh, Max Van Sydow is Hubert. Yeah, which I is didn't. The, I didn't think about this till Greg said his name. What's the uh, cop, the sheriff, the cop from Les Mes? Javert. It's it's obviously taken off of that guy, oh, right? Well, I didn't think about it until Greg said his name. So <laughs> good job, Mike. Similar to, but he is such an interesting figure. He's like, uh, he made me think of a little bit uh, from No Country for Old Men. Um, the what's that? Sugar. Like sort of just yeah. like a, a total like free agent that everybody can hire, and but when you see him, you're like, wait, who are you currently working for? And then himself, really, just like, yeah, I'm just like whoever's paying me now, and yeah. whatever their exact specifications of yeah. the mission are, I will do exactly what you paid me to do, and then I won't do anything else, even if I know the it's going to hurt you. Dream. I'm sure everybody watches this and wants to be Robert Redford. I want this guy's life. What's so bad? What a cool code, man. The other iconic line that it reminded me of was because at the end, he finishes his job. Robert Redford is his job or the condor is his job for the whole movie. And then it's not. And then he carries out his job. The condor no longer is. So they're just like, back to side. I was like, hey, man, you want to ride? Like, yeah. Do you want to go to Denny's or what? And it reminded me of Elliot Ness at the end of The Untouchables. Just like prohibition was repealed. What are you going to do? And he's like, oh, I'm going to go have a drink. You know, like (laughs) I, I fought so hard to against all of these bootleggers and now that the law is repealed yeah i don't it's just the law man it's just whatever my law is and, and a, you can see redford's eyebrows like lower his shoulder like relax like he goes back and forth like is he gonna kill me is he not no he 
truly just has a code that I don't quite understand. Well, like, you know what? When he hands him the gun, is, that when Saito hands him, Bon Saito hands him the gun, Robert Everett's like, what the fuck is yeah. happening? Uh, and the, the the movie reminded me of is Pollock's other 75 movie, The Yakuza, mm. where it's like, you know, sometimes you hire me and I will like, I, I'll be on your side. Sometimes we'll be opposed. And in the meantime, I don't see why we can't be friends. Right. 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 Like <laughs> we have the same job. We're kind of coworkers. It's like when you see a Yankee on first base and then the Red Sox uh, guy playing first base and they're talking. It's like what they're the just chatting. Fuck? You no, you should be, be fighting. You should yeah. be punching each other. Hope you're insulting each other's children. Get your goddamn samurai swords and fight on the diamond. That's, I love that uh, Max Van said. I was like, how predictable that you were here. And then he, and he's like, so you came to kill me. And he's like, oh no no no, they didn't know you were gonna be here. Yeah, I knew you were gonna be here. <laughs> and he's like, he freely admits he's like, yeah, they really would want want me to kill you, but they don't know that you're here and they haven't asked me to kill you. They're not paying me to kill you, so I'm definitely not going to. But this is gonna fuck them hard and then one of the fourth in, uh, endings that we get and i think really great four endings like this is not like a lord of the rings return of the king situation like mm-hmm. this is it just it keeps like no character suddenly starts singing right or from <laughs> Ripper never walks into a three foot tall home but um bonsaito was right higgins is like you stupid motherfucker you gave this to the press you don't know what you've done bonsaito knew they definitely want me to kill you. It's just that they yes. didn't specifically tell me that, so I'm not going to. Can I ask it a is, question? Is, is that is that allowed? Uh, uh, does it get published? Buds. Do you think it gets published? Like, do you think that... Um, nah. No. No, right? So. Like, there's I, no way that, that, that... Believe me, the CIA has plants in news organizations, yeah. and there's... Like, th- this is too big a story, I think, in the world of this movie. But And you but, can see on Redford's face, like, after Higgins said yeah. that, he's like... You shut up, like <laughs> sh- no, it'll yeah. shut up. It'll. He happen. Real- I think in that moment he realizes he accidentally trusted somebody again. Yeah. That yeah. his whole plan was not to trust, and that he had now done the ultimate act. But of how trust. many times in American history has the New York Times gotten a story that they absolutely had to bury, and we didn't find out about what yeah. that story was for thirty years? Yeah, I mean, th- th- it's owned by a big, rich, influential. We're starting family. to become a different type of podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> when did when did the post happen? Not come out. The post came out a couple years back. The oh, when Pentagon it, Papers, that, so it yeah. was right about here. So, yeah, like seventy three. It, it, I mean, I think it's a fucking coin toss. Who decided they could maybe get fired for trying to publish this? Like post Watergate, post the post. Okay, then, the Pentagon then Papers secondary, is what everybody else calls it. Secondary question: Does he, in that moment where they do the freeze frame, does he think the the press is going to publish it? I feel like he did think that they were going to publish it mm-hmm. right up until the very last second of I the movie, too, yeah. and then he's like, "Fuck no, you're right, they're not." And that's the last. That's why he turns have. around and looks. Like, yeah. God damn it, Higgins, you've done it again. <laughs> he's going to move to like Arizona and shave his gorgeous locks. To but hide. what you do is you move to Arizona and you start a podcast, and then you get the truth out, and everyone totally believes you. <laughs> Everybody loves people screaming on mics in the middle of the desert. Dude, I believe anything anyone from Arizona says. I'm a big fan of the cyber ninjas and all the good I'm crazy for AZ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. We all... Speed round. We all know what that sound means. (laughs) It is time for the speed round. Love or hate this movie, could it be argued that it is the perfect end to our 75 season? Yeah, I think it caps off 75 pretty effectively. Like, even the things about it that we hate yeah, are, like, are because they're so 75. And I'm so glad, Mike, to quote you, I believe. Uh, so I nice have to, a dream. <laughs> nice to end on a Cracker Jack movie. Uh, you know, like, it could have been uh, Tarkovsky's Mirror, and mm. that would have been different. But this just to have, like, a popcorn movie that 
has all of the 75 aspects from paranoia. Um, is it rape? Uh, <laughs> ben taking over, uh, having a star, you know, having a director that sort of cares, sort of wow. doesn't. I think this was perfect. One of the most famous scenes of the movie has nothing to do with spying, oil, or the CIA. It's Redford and Dunaway looking at her photos. Why does this scene resonate so much, if at all? I think in part because it, it, it really gets to the fact that he is good at understanding. That when he, in, when he encounters art, he sees right to the core of it right away. Does not enjoy right. any part of it. Yeah, but that he has... Well, it's art. Nobody enjoys it. He has profound clarity of vision. And, I mean, and that is, his understanding is like, it also lets the audience know that his understanding is unimpeachable. That we have him there with an artist and she's confirming, damn, you got you got this picture, <laughs> definitely. And like, the books that he reads and also the pictures that he looks at are black and white. And that's how he sees Oh, things. snap. You know, like, this, it's very clear what's going on. But it also, like, what they... I did not think that was clear. Holy shit. What... It does intru- what it does introduce is Faye Dunaway's loneliness, and then Robert Redford has an in with her, and I think that's imperative to the relationship. Right. Like she, I mean, she has an all-time quote, which is, uh, "I didn't think that I was lonely, but I am the one that took these pictures, so I guess <laughs> I am lonely." And you know, like that's that's such a crazy quote about art, and I don't know that that is my favorite line from the movie. Yeah, and definitely, like, that, that is the quality of good art, right? That it can reveal things that the artist would never have intended to be revealed or didn't know that was, you know, inside them. What is the point of Turner being a reader? How does the movie make use of this set of skills? Is it dumb that he is a Paige Turner and his name is Turner? <laughs> yeah, that was, like, that was almost a little too cute style, but I, I guess that because his first name is not actually Paige. It's Joe. Did get, you prefer his last name to be Mama? He, he gets away yes. with it. You know, I think it goes to what we were saying before, just that um, maybe what we needed at, at the moment was for somebody to read culturally what the messages were that were being sent out, right? If you read the texts of 75, you're like, okay, this is a culture like in distress and maybe we need to do something. And so I think that like putting him in that role foregrounds that. And keep in mind, Mike, that this, this is like three years after Dirty Harry. Like we have done the whole violent killer thing and i mm. i think this fits perfectly with dog day too like we all have this idea of who heroes and villains should be you know and then uh for three days to have us again as the hero and for dog day to have you know this uh not mastermind not evil mustache twisting villain but instead right. al pacino uh, I think that was not just important for us in 75 because we never knew what was right and what was wrong, but also for storytelling, you know, like it really did change everything forever where we could have nuanced heroes and villains. This was not right. happening in America in the 50s and 60s. How much better would the world be if Robert Redford had become president instead of Ronald Reagan? Oh, bro. Well, I guess it would become Watchmen, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the point of, of Watchmen 2019 is that it becomes differently the same terrible. What about like, no Hollywood star ever becoming president? <laughs> no, that's crazy. People want to see a, a president up there they've seen on the TV. MAGA, Greg, MAGA. I trust him there. I trust him up there. I need Bill Pullman. <laughs> Bill Pullman does have the penchant of, uh, when he gives a big speech, rhyming it like he did in Independence Day. <laughs> and I do appreciate that. Isn't it bullshit more presidents don't rhyme when they give any fucking State of the Union? With the amount of reading that Redford's character does throughout the movie, should his codename have been Condork? Oh, take that. A little saucy. 
Oh, I think fires fire shot across the bow. I think Greg is also a con dork based on <laughs> how he's reacting to this. <laughs> Uh, how is this movie in conversation with Pollock's other movie from 75, The Yakuza? Well, I mean, Greg mentioned a little bit before about honor, right? And just like how we, uh, what our word means and what our true north is. I think that's very important to Pollock is what is your true north and how will you betray it? And then also the typical stuff that we always say about like, what does it mean to be masculine? You know, what is that definition? And how, at what point do you go against the typical masculinity and go for a modern version of masculinity. This to me feels like a movie three is the condor. feels like turning away from people and the Yakuza, I have to say feels like turning to people. You know, I mean, the Yakuza is about building up relationships and about doing whatever it takes to make those relationships stronger and lasting. This is about like cutting yourself off from fucking everybody because nobody could be trusted. And every person around you is my, it might just be somebody who betrays you. So Damn right. they're kind of like a, a, like diametrically opposed in that way. I also think so that Pac these was having a hell of a year. I, yeah, dude, this guy's all over the place. I think these two movies might be in some ways more disparate though than like a year where you direct Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. I mean, like the Yakuza could have come out in the late 60s right. and still felt a little creaky. And uh, Three Days could have come out five years after this. Like, I think Pollock is very inspired by the times and very inspired by his screenwriters. And I, I, I the, the, these don't seem like they're made right. by the same person. No, I mean, Yakuza is very pointedly looking back into the past, right? And this movie is very pointedly looking forward into the future accurately, we can say now from the future. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it's, I think that, in a way, that stylistic choice is kind of interesting to have one movie which is about, you know, conservative, old notions, be, feel older as well. And yeah, of course it's a hell of a year. He got both movies talked about on Movie of the Year, colon, 1975. Hey, Sid, you won, baby. Yeah, did it. Is this a Christmas movie? Yeah, dude. Uh, there's in the background. There are several people wearing like Santa's caps, and a lot of the score confirmed or, Christmas. If movie. you want to call it the score, is Christmas carols. Yeah, old Saint Vonkelvoss is definitely <laughs> one of the songs. Uh, how crazy is it that this movie came out leading the KGB to maybe now we read every book, leading the U.S. to say now we have an office that reads every book? I mean, Dog Day Afternoon invented how we handle hostage situations, right? <laughs> it's it's crazy how everyone was watching movies in 1975, including... <laughs> Taking notes. Yeah. And then, I mean, honestly, the movie is kind of about how that's a good way to do it. Yeah. That, because mm-hmm. if you if you understand art, then you d- de facto understand people. I, so. I could see every country watching this movie and being like, that's stupid. Wait. Does that work? It's not. No. Like, Wait, we should, should, we should, we should do and it. meanwhile, by the way, the reason that like, they were hiding codes in the books, it wasn't just that he read the books of the people and then understood them. They were hiding secret codes in there. It wasn't just reading. It was, yeah. look, it was code search. But did he, Greg, every time he read a book, say done and spike it on the ground as Boom. hard as he could? Mm-hmm. Dang. That was a cut scene. He just has a big pile of burnt, ripped books next to him. I thought they were writers in the beginning. And yeah. they were feeding their writing into a computer that was judging their writing. And that's the computer I want to see. <laughs> this is Let's very derivative. <laughs> How quickly would you die if you were in Turner's position? Oh, right away. Definitely. I probably would have walked into the crime scene and then just died of a yeah, heart attack. found that uh, gun in the secretary's desk and just killed yourself. Bam! Oh, crap. <laughs> when he walks in, he sees somebody bloody on the ground. He's like, what you doing, you crazy nut? You big like, pranker. <laughs> you big as Ashley Kutcher here. Maybe a punked. Did I miss him here? saying, I'm the security card, and this is jackass. Oh, man, <laughs> I missed such a good time. And then somebody just falls down the stairs. <laughs> and I'm dead. 
Uh, I think I would have died on the way to lunch, slipping in the rain. I'm not yeah. an agile person. We don't handle movie- weather. <laughs> We're from California, goddammit. Does the movie argue that the toughest thing you can do is be understanding? Yeah, it seems to be like that. Um, she says about, Faye Dunaway says about her her boyfriend, Rob Redford, or P- Turner's like, uh, what's he going to do? And she's like, understand. And he's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. That's that's that's, that's good. And then part of what I think he likes about that is he's like, that's what I'm good at doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think the whole point of the movie, and if you think about it, it's a movie, but also it's based on a book, right? This is all somebody writing a book about how cool it is to be a writer and a reader. And like how that makes you, that that's really the best thing you could be. You're a good secret agent. Just, you're a good lover. Just like every other movie is about how being a filmmaker is yeah. the single coolest thing you could do for sure. Uh, yeah, and then there's also this question about tough. Is your boyfriend tough? Mm. And I do think that Robert Redford is trying to measure himself up against the boyfriend. Oh, sure. But I don't like Faye Dunaway's answer of, no, he he really is. Like, it fucking sucks, but <laughs> he is. I mean, Faye, uh, Robert Redford is the gentle lover of these two. Mm-hmm. You know, just imagine that. I am imagining it. it. <laughs> Does okay, now stop. this movie feature... The five bumps on Redford's right cheek more than any other Robert Redford movie. They are prominent. This should be a astronomical sign. These five bumps. <laughs> we like should we're born under the sign of Redford. Like where they are in relation to each other, because they've probably migrated a little bit, don't you think? But this is the exact thing probably thing I'm talking ones. about. Like Brad Pitt doesn't have this, and he sucks mm-hmm. because of it. Yeah, we're sick of you, Brad Pitt. Get the fuck out of here. You're not. Red, ho- red. You're not hotter now that you're older. We hate you. S- so many hotties from back in the day. Uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, the guy who became Uncle Ben, who was Higgins in this. They are unrecognizable later because they got the face inflate. Yeah. And Redford, from this to Winter Soldier, his face is the same width and height. It's crazy Wait, that you don't have to get big face. When you think of hotties from 1975, you think of Higgins from Three Days of the Condor? Hell uh-huh. yeah. Mm, those bangs. I'm watching well, my face inflate as we say this. So let's that move on. is all the time we have for speed round. We're gonna take a quick break and we come back. It's award season. Taste buds. Three days of the Condor was nominated for some Oscars. Who gives a shit? We're giving it awards. These ones matter. Oscars are like stupid, bro. They're pretty like stupid, bro. Starting with coolest spycraft, Ryan. What do you got? Oh, I mean, I think this. Uh, I love the CIA's reaction of, uh, okay, well, go call him on another phone, not knowing that Robert Redford has basically taken down all phones. He's yeah, climbed king of the under phones. the ground. <laughs> Into the middle of the phone. And he's pull, pulled out every wire, and he's attached them to each other in such a way where he's like, no, this is, this, he has every phone. Yeah, he basically gets right. a moving VPN of phones. Mm-hmm. Greg? He's calling from everywhere. But what would your command of phones be without phone the phone tones the sounds it make when you press the buttons and he does a trick i first saw in the movie hackers uh (laughs) where he gets someone to like input their password and then he records it on a little tape deck and he plays it back such a baller move and then he uses that to like actually like hack into their their phone directory i love that that is pretty cool but ryan had the same one as me so the point goes which is just all phones. <laughs> Can I give a a special announcement to uh, this mailman's shoes are clean? And yeah. then, no, he's going to get in a yeah. fight. Hmm. Mailman's shoes are covered in shit normally. 
This there should be at least one him. dog chewing on his ankle. <laughs> what is President Redford's most presidential moment, Greg? I'm going to have to say uh, instantly capturing a woman and then not letting her leave. That just seems like I think USA. that... Like, yeah. USA. Honestly, I think if you look at all of the presidents, they probably all have at least one moment where they, they would not let a woman leave of her own free will. Is that why I'm not president yet? Yeah. That's why, good. yeah. Ryan, what is your presidential moment? Uh, he's got the uh, rich dude in the chair, and he's realized the uh, <laughs> why the countries are connected, that they've or why the languages are connected. He's like, oil, it's oil, ooh, oil, and that's <laughs> every president has to have that moment of like, well, hello, oil. I like how when he's questioning that guy, the guy's like, I'm not going to answer you, but then he just shakes the chair a little bit. Oh, and he's yeah. like, okay, I'll like, answer. But Nobody's then the guy, ever my chair before. <laughs> but then he asks him another question. The guy's like, I don't know, and then he shakes the chair. Again. <laughs> If you're going to give it up after like one chair shake, just give say it what it is up. that you know. Yeah. Or if he uh, asks a question and doesn't shake the chair, it cuts to a like a just a talking head of that guy in the chair and just like, I thought he was going to shake the chair, but he didn't. <laughs> so I didn't have to say anything. If he had shaken the chair one more time, oh God, I would have said everything up. I think I, I went with, with aspirational president, the lies they feed us versus the oil loving women absconding truths uh and it's the you think not you, you think not getting caught in a lie is the same as telling truth that feels very like what we used Ooh, to think yeah, that's a good one cringe and i i'm assuming we're all gonna dance around the same thing ryan no i mean like i uh, i know that the faith away thing is an issue but i think that there was something that was they did they deemed it necessary for the plot and i thought that it was worth it to watch the two of them be together so i'm gonna go with robert redford needing cover and so he goes into a group of black people and he's like, you guys know how to break into a car, right? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Yep. And then they yeah. all surround him and walk him out to his car. But Robert Redford in this situation is the piece of shit saying, don't, don't tell me you don't know how to break into a car. In his fairness, it was young people. Just most of them are black, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty cringy. Greg. Since I knew I was going to be talking about the Faye Dunaway thing the entire show, I picked another one, uh, which is when he's talking about like the 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 cuneiforms with his girlfriend before she gets shot, mm-hmm. uh, and then he's like, "Are you sure?" And she's like, "Hey, does this look like some? Uh, does this look like the face of somebody who wouldn't know what a pictogram looks like?" And she's of Asian descent, and it just felt like. The movie wouldn't allow that not to be said. Like yeah. it, it just, it had to be said. And then they put the words into her mouth, and so. Uh, or it, can you imagine like Sidney Pollock saying, "All right, now nobody say anything. Don't don't do your next line for like thirty seconds. Just give the audience some time to laugh. Just laugh uproariously at this thing." I was bummed when she died. All of them dying was sad, but like her fashion sense was fucking on point. There, it had there was she seemed like, interesting. The opening song, yeah, she was funny. I was like, I want to watch the rom com between her and Redford now. The problem is with 75 movies, it took me a long time to figure out that they were together because he treated her like all dudes treat totally. all women in yeah. 1975 movies. Like, I'm just going to put the, the, my hand on the small of your back and then your butt while I talk to you. Yeah, he's just a dude. Yeah. They could have just met. Maybe she's taken to his table. That same thing happened. That same exact thing happens at Night Moves, where he walks up behind the guy, walks up behind his own wife, and starts grabbing her. Yeah, and you don't yeah. know that it's his wife yet, so you're just like, "Is this just a sleazy Come dude?" Come on, seventy five. What? what are we doing here? Pound for pound performance. Wait, who won that one? Oh yeah, the I actually I didn't think about it that way. Ryan is the the, the ring of one. Hey, you black kids, you know how to break into a car, and now I will use you as human shields. <laughs> Greg, 
pound for pound performance. Yes. Yeah, for me, it's Robbie Reds. Just uh, taking away, like he gives you both the over the top, naive, like liberal leaning, like oh, I, you know, life's easy for me. You just gotta like open up to people <laughs> and care and everything, all the way through. Like I will fucking shake your chair <laughs> if you don't answer my goddamn <laughs> questions, and I will turn on your stereo as loud as it can go in the middle of the night just to get your fucking attention. That's so faux tough. Like, yeah. I mean, it is intimidating, but it's also the old, like the peak of Robert Redford intimidating. Is yeah. I'm going to turn your stereo on as loud as it goes, and it was it's, it was kicking. It sounded great too. That's got a great Motown. system. Yeah, yeah. It's as tough as saying knee to an old woman in a town yard. <laughs> it's not actually tough, but he go he go he travels quite a distance, and I like I was there for it. I believed mm-hmm. it. Uh, his effortless charm is like, uh, you know, is is is. Effortless and uh, <laughs> matchless and peerless. So I Robert Redford. We don't have a we have a best actor for nineteen seventy five, right? But mm-hmm. we don't have a best star. Like who was the who was the best like star as right. being? And I listed them all earlier, and I don't know if this guy didn't goddamn take the way the award away from Jack and Robert Mitchum and just coasting on being Robert Redford. Like I thought he was great, but I don't think he was coasting. Like I saw acting here where Warren Beatty. Just seems like Warren Beatty. Yeah, Ira, Faye Dunaway said that he was so invested in the movie All the President's Men that he like never thought about Three Days of the Condor at all. He would just like show up and be like, "Okay, I have ten minutes to do this before I gotta go back." To- so <laughs> I think maybe he was kind of a little bit in coast mode. He's just so good at it yeah. that you don't see it happening. Horion. Oh, I think they. I'm gonna say that MVS is the MVP. I think that Max von Sydow's journey here from really i mean like almost frankenstein like monster right mm-hmm. like mindless killer yeah all the way through to in his own weird way arcing as far as here is what i am concerned about he's in his own movie and that's yeah, yeah. Know, and that, that movie would be super interesting yeah to like oh. just follow him if like the idea modern, that he would get a spinoff for i'm sure. gonna kill you today but tomorrow i'm gonna give you a lift like i want to see that as the center of a movie and like i would love to know what the in-between scenes are like when we're watching robert redford is max von Sydow like at the movies watching funny lady <laughs> just like right. laughing his ass off because <laughs> i'm off the goofing. clock and i love babs like what is he doing <laughs> um but then at the end to just do that is such like an old pro, you know, like mm-hmm. I've we're all stars here on the set of Three Days of the Condor, but I'm an old pro and I know exactly what this scene needs at all times. And, you know, like they don't even film scenes in order. What? Yeah, they, it was all out of order and he had to figure out what to do at any given How time. How do we keep it straight? It's, it, no, it's impossible. They have someone with a very big binder. Yeah. Oh, I okay. think his name is Uatu the Watcher. <laughs> you got to have that. That one's going to go to Redford and Greg. Director's signature moment, Ryan. Uh, I think that it is. I mean, this is Sydney Pollock. What does Sydney Pollock do? Seriously, Sydney, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? What, what would you say you do here? Flip on the cameras, get out of everybody's way. <laughs> and he is the first to say that. He's the first to say, like, I don't love movies. Not a good <laughs> director. Don't like my job. Uh, <laughs> it's a living. I, I'm going to say this like it like I did or hate it like Greg did it's have sex with the star look every at this point in the movie we need uh, the star to have sex we need the star to just like do whatever they want and this is I, I think that Sydney is just the most old school director and we did a movie about or uh, directed by John Houston in the 1975 season mm-hmm. he is the most old school director and I think 
getting the star topless and in bed with the girl is the director's signature. Greg? Uh, so, yeah, we, we always talk about how, like, workmanlike Pollock is. And I think there's a time where it really shines. And that's we as the audience have to understand that when Turner is leaving by the back exit, that that is the thing that's going to save his life. And we have to understand exactly what's going on there. And it's kind of too early in the movie for us to have an understanding of that building or, and the way he, the way Pollock shoots him going through the back exit, you are totally aware of what's happening. And I think you get a sense that something bad is going to happen at this location. And this Condor guy is barely going to escape it. And I think that that's more subtly presented to you than Pollock usually does. Mm. And it's even with the secretary going, you can't go it that way. And the secretary going, he always goes out that way. When it rains, he always goes out that way. Yeah. I think it delivers everything the audience needs to understand what's going on. And you don't feel it happening. And I think that's what Pollock is good at doing. Greg. That's going to go to Greg's Pollockian workmanlike workhorseness. Our last event before we reveal who the best friend is recommendation. If you liked this, what else would you like, Greg? If you like this movie because you want to stick it to the man and um, you want to use clever tactics, even though you're an every person, that reminds me of the movie Hackers that also uses the the audio trick uh, and features a lot of payphone shenanigans. Uh, But for whatever reason, I kept thinking of that movie because it kind of has the same messages about like, you know, an individual is responsible for responding to the system because Mm -hmm. systems are naturally corrupt. Um, And so then when he does the recording thing, I was like, you know what? Hackers. That's the movie that this is most like. You are speaking to my heart. I've definitely watched (laughs) Hackers more recently than people would expect. Is it the last calendar year? You know it is. Uh, I, we we may be the podcast that has seen hackers the most times of any other podcast. <laughs> what about sneakers, dude? Robert I've Redford. seen sneakers a I lot. Haven't seen sneakers ever. Sneakers is amazing. Just sneakers plus. is such a good movie with a Ghostbuster. Yeah, mm. it's got Robert Redford. It's got a lot of technology that is cool for its time, but would be would seem dated now. But sure. the movie, I think, does a good job of presenting it as very cool. Sneakers rules. Sneakers does rule. Ryan, what's your uh, Halfway through this movie, I realized that it is. There's a movie that I had watched recently that is a remake of this, and this is probably a more seen movie than Hackers. But I think that a very niche audience has seen this movie a lot, and not maybe not the wide, wide world. Uh, there's a movie from the late '80s directed by John Carpenter, where a guy realizes that he knows more about what's going on than anybody else. And he does this by wearing sunglasses. The sunglasses yeah. give him the truth. <laughs> oh, shit. And so what he does is he tries to convince people without wearing the sunglasses. Just, look, I'm telling you the truth. It doesn't work. So then he kidnaps a woman. And he and that woman, the woman helps him by force of gun. But then eventually they fall in love. And also, Ryan. Rowdy Roddy Piper fights a guy in an alleyway for 12 <laughs> so, minutes. For straight. so long. <laughs> for so long does terminator also does he also kidnap yeah he does because he has to say man what a weird plot oh point no in i think so many movies this happens I, I think we could do a top 10 here our quote-unquote protagonist just grabs a lady a woman. and then and then has sex with her right because he kidnaps her and then they they fall in love well the woman's always like you you hurt me you hurt my wrist but damn you're very assertive why that should be the next dating app is 
old movie plot dating app where you're like, I would like to be kidnapped. I would like to kidnap. And they just connect those people. <laughs> I stayed away from the movie they live for so long because I've just, I thought it was, people liked it for the wrong reasons or mm-hmm. reasons that I wouldn't appreciate. It's fantastic. It's such a time capsule, but it's also so, so good at what it does. It really is the three days of the condor of awesome. the 80s. Um, I can't believe how well they line up. If you want to watch a handsome man, his mind devolve and not know who he should trust and he is so handsome that you're like you should probably be evil in a lot of things uh david fincher's the game that's what i thought of this whole time is at any point somebody even people he's normally his friend sam uh might be the one who pulls out a gun to kill him uh and it made me think of that that movie fucking rips ass and i want to watch it all the time that's a fun time at the movies the game like like if you the second the game's over you're like wow that was great and then you're like but Part of it didn't no, make don't sense. Do no, stop. No, don't stop do that. right there. Don't, do that shit. don't think about it. Just enjoy the game. And then see if in your local area there's a company who does that. And then yeah. set up a friend. That is the show. And now the big reveal. Ryan, 28 points. Oof. Greg, yeah. 26 points. Ryan, you yeah. are my best friend for the week. I thought we did better than that. I'm honestly, it's, I'm. It's not the fact that that you won. You won with 28 points. Yeah, we did way better than that. And the real yeah. loser is Mike, Mike being yeah. a bad job at scorer. Yeah. Or, or you motherfuckers. I'm just giving myself a bunch of points now, so I'm my own best friend. Is uh, I was entranced and forgot to give points often. Well, you're welcome. Uh, such good, thoughtful, cogent arguments were made. You know what we should do is we should have a home version of Movie of the Year where you get your own scoreboard and you score us as you listen to the podcast. Oh, shit. And see how many points you give us. tweet at us how it went. That'd be horrific. I think he won <laughs> with that black and white thing. When that happened, I was like, oh, he probably didn't Did you won. see my face go, oh, yeah. fuck? Your, your hand was flapping on, the, on the, <laughs> the scoring so quickly. You levitated at a certain point. All right. That is our Three Days of the Condor show. Next, coming up next, if you are a patron... That is, of course, at patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. You will hear us talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This has to be enough incentive for you to finally sign up for Patreon. The ro- it's, it's our Rocky Horror Show. It's a coffee a month. Our Rocky Horror Show. We will all be in costume. We will be playing along. So should you. And then if you're not, you get the finale. Our two-part finale. Our patented uh, famous two-part finale. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what's coming up. Until then, keep watching those movies.